Welcome back, everybody, to the Uncensored CMO. Now, hopefully you listened into my last podcast, which was Ritz and on Recession. Absolutely brilliant podcast about how marketers should be responding in times of crisis. Now, you will have heard a guest cameo appearance from none other than Orlando Wood, who works at System One as Chief Innovation Officer, bringing some breaking research on the creative style that works in recession. We didn't have enough time in that podcast to fully uncover all the learnings and lessons from his research. So I thought in a little mini episode, we get Orlando back to talk about the creative styles that work in difficult times. Can you use your old creative? Can you bring back old campaigns and use them again? Can you keep your communication the same? Do you need to change what you say? Does humour work when everyone's having a tough time? So many questions and Mr Orlando Wood has got the answer. So perhaps the most returning guest on the Uncensored CMO. I'm rather hoping to prove that wear out is not the case when it comes to Orlando Wood. If it is, we've got a bit of a problem. I'm hoping there's more a case of where in. Let's hope so. I'm fairly confident of that assertion, my friend. Well, that's kind of you to say so. So thank you for coming back. And the reason I really wanted to catch up with you was we did a webinar last week with Mark Ritson on recession and what it means. And we were talking very much about the business case for investing in a recession and how brands should respond and so on. And uh, you, you helpfully brought some data to the question of creativity and whether we should change our creative now, whether we can reuse old creative and so on. And I, I thought it'd be lovely to walk through that in a bit more detail. So, but maybe let's, as our inspiration, go back a little bit to, to an ad that was created even before you and I were born. Just before, yes. We're showing our age here, but no, I, I, I think it's, it's something I've been looking at and I've been looking back to 1973 and it was a time much like the one we're in at the moment. You know, there were lots of strikes, there were layoffs, there was an energy crisis, and of course the inflation was soaring and it was going to get worse as well. And, you know, I thought it's particularly interesting, even though it was nearly 50 years ago, it was a year in which CDP was making an ad for bread, Hovis, in fact. And they'd already done a couple of ads filmed in the north of England and they were sort of historical nostalgic ads really and they decided to sort of they settled on a sort of nostalgic route because you know it was a gloomy time uh, present and future gave little cause for optimism and uh, you know the, the brand had been around for as long as anyone could remember donkey's years and uh, anyway, nostalgia seemed the best way to go. So I think it's worth talking a little bit about the ad itself and also how it performs today because we tested a recently restored and updated version just recently over the summer. And, you know, on our five-star system at System 1, it was, it was achieving 4.9. So, you know, the ad itself says, as, you know, as good today as it's always been. Well, the ad itself is pretty much as good today as it's always been, I suspect. And I think it's, it's worth talking a little bit about why that is, because there's, I mean, I guess that people may have seen it, but for those people who haven't seen it, it is shot outside and there is, it's on, on Gold Hill in Shaftesbury, actually in the south of England, which not many people, people perhaps will realise because there's a sort of the legacy of the, the, the campaign being in the north of England. And it, it sh it's shot down down the hill, and you see the boy coming up in costume because it's sort of 
days gone by, pushing the bike up the hill. And there's a beautiful golden light on the cobblestones. There are sort of mists in the background. It's a very, got a very sort of romantic feel. And it's worth talking a bit about why this, you know, why this really works on the viewer. Because, first of all, there's a very strong sense of place. There is a, a sense of depth and height to the whole thing. There's, there's the sort of sunrise, you know, is kind of the time it's happening. And there's a solitary boy pushing the bike up the hill, which draws us in. There's a sense of distance. The music is a brass band playing the theme from Dvorak's New World Symphony, from the New World, it's actually called. And so it, it gives this sense of longing and yearning. Just from the very first bars of the of the music, you know, and the music's played on a brass band, which is associated with the northern with northern England. And by the way, all of the things I've described are features of art in the Romantic period, the period from which the the music's taken from. And and as an, another thing, is that the, the the brass instruments were instruments that were used a lot in by Romantic composers to talk about to to inv- evoke you know regret the past memory all of those things. So incredible craft. Whether it was known to the to the people who made the film, I suspect it was on some level. You know, it, just in those opening shots, we're already in a deeply romantic, nostalgic place. But it doesn't stop there because the rest of the ad is the ad, the boy going down the hill again and going back to the bakery. And inside there are some wonderful interior shots of the, of the, of the baker and the boy, you know, pouring tea and with the light coming in through the window. That looks very much like, you know, some of those intimate scenes you get in Dutch painting, Vermeer and others, the the milkmaid and other paintings, all of which convey a kind of lasting sense of permanence, reassurance, human connection, warmth, revealing something of the authenticity of human experience that just doesn't change, you know, and it's just something really beautiful about the whole thing. And, um, you know, it's not surprising to me that it still connects because it draws on popular art of a couple of periods of history that, you know, is as moving today as it ever was. And all of those things, by the way, relate to the right hemisphere of the brain. Anyone who's read my books or heard me talk will probably have heard me talk about the importance of the living, of place, of things unfolding in lived time, and how that better captures attention, holds it, and connects and, and puts things in memory too. So yeah, I wanted to talk about that because it's, you know, it, a lot of people may be thinking, assuming we are heading into a recession, that, you know, we have to create something new. And I think, you know, to, to be able to say that an ad that's 50 years old pretty much is still, you know, performing beautifully. I mean, it, it's quite exceptional, isn't it, to think over a period of 50 years that the ad can score... Uh, almost a five star and and for anyone listening that doesn't know the system one scoring system a a five star would put it in the top one percent of ads on our database so an almost half a century old ad scoring at the very very top of our database is incredible but of course the rather famous director of this ad wasn't there A, a certain mr ridley scott that's right. When he was filming it, you know, as the light was coming through the clouds, you know, he was looking through the camera and it was just sort of saying, oh, wow, oh, wow, you know, sort of going into fits of, fits of ecstasy as he saw what was coming through the viewfinder, you know. And actually, the, just a, an aside, but it's quite an interesting story. The place was so important for this ad 
that the two creatives working on it spent two weeks driving around the north of England to find the perfect hill with south facing, it was south facing for the light, but also that could be shut off easily for filming. And they couldn't find it until the, the, the head of creative at the agency, CDP, did some research in a library looking at pictures of, of, of places and came across this black and white image of, of Gold Hill and said, guys, I think mm. you've been looking in the wrong place and, and sent them on an expedition down to Shaftesbury. But, you know, it just shows the care that, that was taken and, and the place was so, so important. Without doubt. Now, we haven't all got Ridley Scott producing ads for us. So does wear in, as you're, as you're describing here, does that apply now? Because I know when, you know, when you and I working together, when COVID hit just over two and a half years ago, the question we got asked by everybody was, can I reuse my creative? Yeah. Do I need to change my creative? What messages are going to work now? And, you know, we, we all experienced the, you know, the pianos and tinky yeah, yeah, music yeah. and the, in these times, you know, yeah. and you did some fascinating work. I remember back then looking at ads that were tested before, just before COVID and, and then retesting them just after COVID to see how they changed. Describe that. And then, because also I want to talk about the updates that work you've yes, done just now. That's right. So during COVID, we, were one had a lot of questions you know people were wondering you know could, will my creative still does it still seem right you know now with everything that's happening massive disruption in the world so we retested 100 ads 50 in the uk 50 in the us that had aired just before covid broke so sort of january february 2020 and we tested them a couple of times during lockdown and the recession that was associated with covid and found that the, the change was absolutely minimal in their ability to connect with audiences. You know, they did nothing really changed very much. Very high correlation between the initial test and the, you know, before COVID and then during COVID. And so we thought, well, why don't we do it again? I mean, we're now nearly three years on. We tested them in the last month, so October, November. And the scores are, again, almost exactly the same. You know, there's a correlation of with the first retest 0.89, the second one 0.87, this 0.86. So there's no, you know, there's no real change at all. I mean, if anything, the, be the better ads are kind of holding their own, you know, are more consistent with the original score than the, than, the, than the less strong ads. So, you know, you sort of start to wonder, well, is, is, is wear out really a thing? Um, perhaps we'll continue doing it. We'll have to see. But, you know, the, I think the Hovis example and, and that, and in fact, some other work we've been doing suggests that, you know, that things, things don't wear out as quickly as we think, if at all. And they certainly wear out more quickly in the boardroom than they do amongst the general public. I think that's a brilliant point. And, and also, you know, we've, we've had an unexpected experiment on our hands, haven't we? Because what you and I do at System One is, is we've set up a database that automatically tests the vast majority of advertising, TV advertising, at least in the UK, around two thirds in the US. Now, like any business, when COVID hit, we had to cut our budgets, didn't we? I mean, you know, we were, we're not immune. In fact, we're very much at the mercy of how advertising industry is doing. And if people are stopping advertising or, or cutting budgets, we, you know, we're, we, we suffer immediately. So we also had to you know, cut our budgets. Now, what it meant was we actually paused, didn't we, the automatic testing of many categories yeah. in the US and UK. We've only gradually turned them back on. Now, the fascinating thing about that is we've created a natural experiment by accident, haven't we? Because 
what we've been doing is been testing ads that are actually up to two years old. Yeah, exactly. They're not tested at the moment that they were aired, I suppose. So, so what we've got is a large number. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of ads that we can do this analysis on where we look at those that were tested within the first, say, few days of, of their first airing and through to ads that were tested, you know, maybe a couple of years after they were first aired. And what you find across this m- massive, you know, range of, of, of time periods following first airing is that ads test pretty much the same, that, that the average score is pretty much the same, you know, whether it was tested two years later or, or, or you know, at pretty much at the time. So that, again, sort of seems to suggest that, that there's not much change in scores, some, you know, some for a couple of years later. And there could be, you know, some survivor bias in there that, you know, the best ads are the ones that, you know, last a bit longer. And we do see a bit, we see more of that in the States, actually, than we do in the, in the US. So I think in the States, uh, ads tend to stay, from our data, they tend to stay in market, held in market for longer. And also there's evidence that, the, you know, the three, four, five star ads are held in market for longer than the, the less good ads, the one or two star ads. We don't see so much of that in the UK. It's rather worrying that, you know, the ads don't stay in, are not sort of staying in market for any longer if they're good. And in fact, they, they seem to replace more quickly, you know, in the, in the market at half the time of the ones in, in the US. I was wondering that because that's quite a distinct difference. So uh, the average duration of ads, I don't mean the length that they that they are, but I mean the length of time for the that they air it is almost double. Is that right in the US compared to the UK? So Yeah, they're twice twice the number of days uh, that they're in the in the, on air for. So we 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 chop and change things a lot I think in the UK quite quickly and that, you know, well that in itself isn't great for consistency and and long-term you know brand effects so you need to leave things in in you know running for a a while for them to create those mental associations that you know mental availability that that of course advertising does create now one thing i wanted to uh, talk to you about as well is is you did the retest 100 you know just after covid you've repeated it again recently to see how the creative has changed in recession you've also managed to look at that through the lens of your book look out where you actually divide the features into those features that are more likely to capture our attention and those features that are less likely to capture our attention so how does it uh, you know how does the star score you know differ based on the ability of the the ads to capture our attention I mean, in the way you'd expect, the features that I describe as being very good at capturing the broad beam attention of the right brain, the right hemisphere, you know, that's responsible for kind of vigilance and and things that are alertness, you know, things that are happening just off stage, if you like. These features are right at the very top. So the ads that perform, you know, that have, for instance, things that that are set in the past and set in the past is the seems to be the feature most associated with very high scores that perform very well. So all the right brain features, you know, sort of continue to perform well. Music, reference to other cultural works, you know, so parody or pastiche, that kind of thing. Characters, a very clear sense of place. All of those things 
were important and remain important. And the features I describe as being for this sort of narrow beam attention, so, you know, this abstraction, the sort of left left brain's habits of thinking, more like performance advertising, I suppose, with words on the screen, monologues, voiceover, you know, bits of things, product focus. These didn't test very well to start with, and they're still not testing very well. So they're not connecting, you know, nearly as well as the, the ads with the with the right brain features. Now we're talking, aren't we, at the end of perhaps the first week of Christmas ads being released that we've that we've had so many of the big Christmas advertisers release their films this week, haven't we? And what's been really great this year, and, and I'm I'm so pleased that this has been the case, is we've seen a higher number of five star ads this year than I think we've ever seen before. I mean, certainly for the it's first week. I mean, last year. Yeah. Well, last year there was only two five-star ads and we've had 10 or something already. I mean, it, the standard this year is amazing. So it, it it would appear maybe two things happening. It would appear firstly that, you know, we might be in a recession, but actually we're very open to, you know, the nostalgia and emotion yeah. and uplift that, that Christmas advertising gives us. Maybe two advertisers are starting to get the message that we've been putting out there for some years now about how to make a great Christmas ad. I mean, maybe I'm giving us too much credit, <laughs> but you know, what, what, what do you, you know, what do you think of the current crop of Christmas ads that we've seen? Cause I think a lot of them actually do just what you've been saying in your, uh, you know, in your research. Yeah, well, they're, they're great, aren't they? You know, I mean, we're back folks. It's great to see, you know, the, the, a few, you know, the one that, that we've seen Topping the list so far, at least, as as does it. You know, that draws on nostalgia for a film that's, what, 20, 30 years old. And, you know, does it in an interesting, surprising way. And, you know, we've seen the return of Kevin the Carrot as well. And one of the great things about Aldi's work is, and or credit to McCann as well, is that, you know, every year, it seems, they seem to be coming back with a five-star ad where other you know, retailers and other companies might have a, a good ad, a flash in the pan one year and perhaps less good the next year. With that f- fluent device, you know, they're, they're continuing to, to, to hit it out of the park every year. So that's wonderful to see. You know, we've seen, I think, M&S have returned to Dawn French as that character as well. So sort of a kind of fluent device there. Lidl as well with their ted- teddy bear. So, you know, it, it, there's there's quite a lot of... of it going on quite encouraging i'd say my only question mark is you know why we don't see them the rest of the year because as i have often said a christmas ad isn't just for christmas or perhaps it shouldn't be you know we keep it keep it going folks you know why do why? i know we want something special at christmas time but it's it will be good to keep these these living assets alive through the year well, it brings it brings us to a, a really fundamental system, one principle, isn't it, about familiarity? And actually, familiarity breeds contentment, yes. not contempt, doesn't it? Yeah. And and I think that's the point, isn't it? Is that what Audi have shown us really? Well, actually, I mean, in fact, they're not the first, are they? Coke holidays are coming with the trucks in. That campaign's been going for twenty five years, and I, and I think. I'm right in saying that it, it probably started life as a high three star and has has gone on to get high fives, very often being the best performing ad, despite the fact it's been playing out for, for 25 years yeah. now. Kevin, we're, I think we're into the fifth year of Kevin from Audi and, and that campaign started as a high three. Last year did got, I think, mid, mid fives and this year's got to 5.8. So, you know, 
consistent improvement every year as the audience become more familiar with the characters and all the fluent yeah. devices that, that that you've been talking about. Yeah, right? that's right. That's right. You know, keep keep coming back, and you know, it's I think it's for anyone who can remember it. It's like the Morecambe and Wise show; they'd have a Christmas special, but why not continue it through the year as well? <laughs> you know, so you, you sort of it provides a sense of permanence and, and continuity in a, in a difficult world, and a sense of comfort as well. well and they're funny, you know, humour important part of. It. Well, you're right. I mean, humor is another element, isn't it? I mean, humor comes through character, betweenness, music, of course. I mean, music is often something very powerful, and the choice of tracks this year have been have been very impressive. Voiceover artists, you know, as well, famous, you know, Jim Broadbent on on Aussie, or like you say, French and Saunders in M and S. There's lots and lots of good examples of that out there. So, Orlando, one of the things that really stood out looking at Christmas this year was the amount of what you describe as fluent devices, like characters, scenarios, you know, repeating patterns that come up time and time again. And they're they're incredibly powerful, but I think often overlooked and underused. Um, yeah, share a bit more about why fluent devices are important and, and how we can use them and how they're particularly important for times like this in recession. Well, Fluent devices, as I describe them, are repeated characters or repeated scenarios. So, you know, perhaps the M&M's characters or the Geico Gecko in the States or the Meerkats in the UK or scenarios like you're not you when you're hungry for Snickers or um, Weetabixes, have you had yours or Specsavers, you know, should have gone to Specsavers. Those those sort of repeated scenarios that have just changed and evolve over time, but still reinforce the same idea are very effective. And, you know, they're also, by the way, the character ones in particular, likely to reduce price sensitivity because they make the whole thing very easy to process and to remember and quick to come to mind. All of those things which are really important for reducing price sensitivity, very important, of course, in times of inflation and recession, you know, to help to support price increases if that's necessary. So, so yes, these fluent device ads and campaigns are, are very important at times like this because, as we see in our Retest 100 data, they're performing better than the average ad, which is often the case, but also they're, they're, get, they're getting slightly stronger. You know, they, they improve you know, with familiarity. And they also operate in a kind of world that's it's sort of like ours. It's a kind of parallel universe, isn't it? But, but it's not quite ours. So they're a great insurance policy if you're you know, in times of crisis, as we were in COVID and lockdown, because they, they enable their world to carry on, their own brand world to continue whilst, you know, things are less than rosy in ours. And they help, of course, um, to maintain your brand salience and mental availability and really important from that point of view for coming out of a crisis at the other end. Now, when we were talking before in the, in the webinar that we just ran recently with Mark Ritson, Ritson on Recession, you had three bits of advice for, you know, for marketers to make the case for investment during a recession. Also, three bits of advice for creative as well. Talk, mm. talk us through each of those points because I thought they were very powerful. Well, I think on, you know, invest, in investment terms, you might be thinking about making a new ad, particularly for you know, this period. And our data sort of suggests with our retesting over the years and through very particularly turbulent times that 
ads don't wear out as you know in the way that many people think they do and that you know even in times of crisis their ability to connect whether it's good or bad remains pretty stable so if you've got some you know particularly high performing powerful brand advertising you know from recent years something in the attic you might want to get it out the attic to reuse it or repurpose it slightly if it needs updating well i I think this is a huge point because the 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 trouble with marketers is that we're changing every 18 months right and and everyone's incentivized to make new work again and the chances are that some of your existing work from years ago might just be better than anything you make so the best new thing you could do could be an old thing and as you often talk about there's so much latent awareness often of famous campaigns from the part i mean i know we talked before about you know the fourth emergency service from the from the aa that's a wonderful example isn't it of of a fluent device that has been ran for many many years and was was dropped yeah yeah, absolutely well in fact that you know remember in covid we, we were talking about what's up with the bud ad, you know, the what's up? So that that you know that was that connecting you know really well, and yeah. you know in difficult times, people actually like like to be reminded of, of of things from the past, things that you know give a sense of permanence and reassurance. And and of course, what well, I was going to say, what we can do, anyone listening that's that's facing this conundrum right now, is because we've got you know data going back 15, 20 years, but particularly over the last five years in the UK and US, we've got you know, the majority of ads on our database, we can very easily just check, you know, we can go back and go, which of the previous campaigns you've run, you know, scored highly, and we can easily retest as you've done with your retest run 100, just to make sure it doesn't cost you. I tell you what, it's a lot cheaper to do that than it is to, you know, go and commission new work and, and, you know, expensive production (laughs) when you can just do a simple check to see what works. But anyway, that's that's the first point. I I love that. And I think it's something that every marketer should consider before commissioning the new work. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly something to think about and an important thing to think about. And then, you know, the other thing I was saying, would say about investment is that, you know, brand building advertising does remain important in times of inflation and recession. And as I said, it helps to support price increases, helps you to remain salient and come out stronger at the other end. And that means, you know, advertising for a, a, of a particular type, you know, advertising that most likely has people in it, the living that has some, some kind of scene unfolding and a kind of, well, I guess, a something unusual probably happening a bit like a sketch or a play you know something unfolding in front of you because that sort of captures attention holds attention and uh, you know helps you to connect with that that broad beam attention of the right brain that i talk about so thinking as well investment is particularly important isn't it orlando to maintain investment in particularly in brand building as well also to because you know people are so short term i mean i know you know i've been a marketer where you know when a crisis happens your instinct is to go short right immediately you're thinking how can i save money you know how can i protect this year's budget you know how can i you know you know protect profit and you just don't know what's going to happen but in a way we've got to think long term haven't we because there's a real danger in being too short term and it can it can do some damage can't it yeah it can and it's you know you you, there's only so long that the that the picking off the low-hanging fruit will work you know before you run out of low-hanging fruit you've got to sort of you've got to keep feeding the tree um for the fruit to emerge in the first place so 
Yes, brand building remains important in times of inflation and recession to help you come out, you know, more strongly at the other end and helps you with any difficult price decisions you've got. You know, if you've got to increase price, it supports that because that's what brand building advertising can do, you know, reduces price sensitivity. So that means, you know, you know, advertising of that that I describe, you know, that sort of character incident place, you know, people doing things in an interesting situation, little sketches, plays, you know, things that things that really capture and hold attention. Elicit that. Well, well, we'll talk about that. What, what would be your top bits of advice creatively in terms of what to do now in a recession? Well, the, thir- the first would be exactly that point, character, incident and place and those flute device scenarios or characters that we talked about. And uh, the, th- the second would be just don't overlook the power of nostalgia uh, in, in a world that only ever seems to look forward. It seems heretical, but, you know, actually nostalgia and a sense of, you know, the authenticity of human experience, people connecting in in a touching way is very effective particularly with when used with music so music too is a great way to amplify feeling and then the third one would be you know humor there's this, the wonderful quote gk chesterton that humor can get in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling at the handle you know that's a it, it's so true in life and in advertising that it, it it's an effective creative approach also humor helps you to structure a campaign as well as spec savers i think have shown and many others too and people you know appreciate this sense of levity and reassurance you know in in, in this time you know we all know what's going on in the world we kind of we want a bit of light relief as shakespeare comic relief as shakespeare might have said very well said, and 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 do you know what? It's it's a really good point because I I remember I, we we were working on it together. How many people during COVID were were worried about making a joke? They were worried about showing people together or touching or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, you know, we don't need to be reminded, and and we saw that through COVID, didn't we? The advertisers that reflected the troubles you know we were facing actually saw their scores go down, and those that provided escapism and humour and entertainment. They're actually the very things that we look for in, you know, in, in difficult times. So it's, it's, it may be counterintuitive, but actually, as a brand, you can lean into entertainment, storytelling, humour, you know, and 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 the joy of, of humanity. Yeah, Absolutely. very, very, very. So, listen, Orlando, thank you so much. I really appreciate you talking a bit more and expanding on the retest one hundred. Your phenomenal work, of course, in Lookout and uh, what we've learned very recently, retesting ads post COVID. Absolute pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. Great to chat. Thank you. See you soon. See you soon. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with Orlando Woods. Now, if you like that and want to hear more, then please do go and subscribe. You can do that over at Apple Podcasts. You can do it at Spotify, Amazon Music. Just hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode again. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, please do. I'm over at Twitter at UncensorCMO. You can also find me on LinkedIn, where I am at John Evans. And if you want to leave me a review, please do. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, it means a great deal. And uh, I do read all the reviews so thank you for listening and i look forward to joining you next time thank you